0: The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church.
1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome welcome to church. We're so glad that you're joining us either here in person or online, mostly just because we know if there's one reason we're put on this earth, it is just to to worship God through fellowship and, and through our lives. So I just want to invite you guys into that place of worship this morning just to, to leave any distractions, anything that might be weighing on your heart and on your mind, just leave those. Leaves those at the altar of Jesus today as we just bring our full selves to to him. So uh, if you would, would you just stand with us?
2: Hi kids, welcome to Kids Ministry Minute. I'm so glad you could join us today. Now, we've been on assignment this summer and we've been having assignments every week. The question is, did the assignment manage to make it to my house today? I am going to find out. Oh, look at that. We do have some mail. Let's have a look. It says, God's assignment. Must be the right envelope. Do you wanna see what's in there? Let's go to the backyard and find out. All right, let's see what's in this envelope. Oh, I know what this is. Look at this. Oh, he's got a floppy ear. This little bunny is a bunny that I made myself. I made this bunny for my son, Guillaume, when I was pregnant with him. When he was growing inside my tummy. Now, that was a while ago. And I remember when I made this bunny that I was just so curious about what this baby was going to be like. I didn't know at that time whether it was going to be a boy or a girl, whether he was going to be tall or short, whether he was going to like macaroni or peanut butter sandwiches. I didn't know any of those things. And I was just so curious to meet him and to find out about him. Huh. But I don't quite know what our assignment is yet. Let's see, is there anything else? Oh, there is. Oh, look at that. Here's a picture. So this is a picture of when, after he was born, he was just a newborn. He was such a small baby. And uh, this was one of the first baths that he had. He really liked his baths. But there still were so many things that I didn't know about him. I was just so curious still. I thought, okay, as he grows up, what is he gonna like? Is he gonna like sports? Or is he going to like cars? Or is he going to like watching movies? What kinds of things is he going to enjoy? I had no idea. Oh, (laughs) look at that. There's a verse on the back. Let me look that up. Jeremiah 1 verse 5. Let's see. Isaiah Jeremiah 1 verse 5. Here we go. Before I formed you in your mother's body, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart to serve me. Oh, I get it. Uh, Before my son was born, I didn't know him, but God did. God already knew everything there was to know about him. And it's the same for you as well. Before you were born, before you were even growing inside your mother's tummy, God already knew you. He already had a plan for you also. He already set you apart for the things that he wants you to do. Now, what are those plans? That can be a little bit tricky to find out, but you know what, there's a few things that we know for sure about the plans God has for you. First of all, God wants you to know him and love him. How can you know God? Well, by reading his word, by talking to other people who are believers like your mom and dad or some other family member who can tell you about him. That's how you can find out more about who God is and how you can grow in your relationship in your friendship with Jesus. Really neat. And besides that, God also wants you to love other people because those are the two greatest commandments in the Bible. And there's lots of other things that we can find out in the Bible to learn about how he wants us to live our lives. Now beyond that, there are some other plans God has for you too. And I don't know what they are, and you probably don't know yet either. But that's okay, because just like God knew you before you were born, God also knows the plans He has for you. And the Bible says He has good plans for you. And so all you need to do is walk with Him and keep talking to Him by praying to Him and listen to His voice when He speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. And God will show you along the way what he wants you to do. Very neat. I like this assignment. Well, thank you for joining us. I hope you join us again next week. Bye.
1: I just think what a delight it is to be intimately known by God. That no matter what um, he made us, he knows us, and He loves us. Um, and from the very beginning, he had, a, he had a plan to rescue us from sin, and He had a plan to have relationship with us. So I'm going to invite you again just to, just to stand and, and grasp onto that truth.
3: As you might have noticed over the summer, we've been uh, uh, deciding that we wanted to push back on the way we've been talking about offering and the way we've been talking about giving uh, and Focus more instead of on the transactional aspect of that, uh, and maybe even you know wrongly presented that way, we wanted to focus really on how the ministries are affected uh, at this church because of what we do here when we do, when it comes to offering and uh, it's it's been so amazing to see this goal presented as so much more than money or time or talents, and much more with the faces that we see in every one of those ministries. And um, over the last weeks, we've uh, seen kids' ministry, we've seen youth ministry. Um, and this week, we wanted to uh, highlight the, our justice and mercy ministry or JAM team. And um, I, yeah, I encourage you to. Um, Think of the way these ministries are affecting you, the people around you, the people that you love. And um, yeah, take this time to, to uh, f- just, just be in the presence of God and, and let him speak to you through these pictures, through the music. And um, yeah, let's, let's go back to what offering is really about and uh, find God in all of that.
4: Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then the Lord said, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Thank you. You Thank you. You may be seated.
0: Jeremiah the Prophet, called before his birth. Jeremiah lived in Jerusalem when he was young. One day the Lord came to Jeremiah and called him to be a prophet. The Lord told Jeremiah that he was chosen to be a prophet before he was born. The Lord knew that Jeremiah's life would be hard, but he promised Jeremiah that he would always be with him. The people in Jerusalem did not keep their promises with the Lord. Because of their wickedness, Jeremiah warned the people that they would be conquered. The Lord said that if they kept the Sabbath day holy, the city of Jerusalem would not be destroyed. But the people did not listen. Jeremiah taught the people for many years, but they did not repent. Instead, they hurt Jeremiah and threw him in prison. Jeremiah loved the people. He cried because of their sins. Just like he said, Jerusalem was destroyed and the people were captured. Jeremiah was taken to Egypt. The Lord told him to write down his prophecies. Jeremiah obeyed the Lord even when things were hard. He continued to tell his people to keep their promises with the Lord.
5: Good morning, my name is Doug Friesen, and uh, I'm glad to be sharing God's Word with you today. This is the first Sunday of August. That means we're halfway through our summer series, which is on follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, Last week, as I was sitting in my backyard, I was praying about Jeremiah. Lord, what about his life points me towards Christ? And I have to admit, I was stumped for a little bit. I know the book of Jeremiah. There's 52 chapters. If you read it, sometimes it's a bit confusing. It's sometimes even hard to know which is the voice of God and which is the voice of Jeremiah. And it's really a collection of different, it's almost like it's a scrapbook of prophecies that he's written down. They're not in chronological order. So it's a little bit sometimes confusing to read through Jeremiah. And I realize that, Lord, even though I know the book and I have favorite verses that mean a lot to me, I don't really know the man. And I remember I was just sitting in my backyard and saying, Lord, help me to think of something about his life that would be a a trail for me to follow. And I was looking at my trees and uh, I had just, I had pruned them about two years ago and I was admiring them. I was saying, oh, they actually look pretty good. One of them I thought I had pretty much killed when I first pruned it. I thought I had done a bad job and it worked out really well. And I said, Lord, thank you that you are the perfect pruner. Thank you that you're pruning my life. I can trust you with that. And there's just this little nudging in my heart that's the type of prophet that Jeremiah was. Jeremiah was a pruning prophet. I sent him to the people to tell them that they needed to repent and be restored or destruction was coming. And so it was the next day or the day after I started reading through Jeremiah. I just wanted to read through it fully and start recognizing him a little bit more. And uh, the verse that came out was this, Oh, the clicker doesn't seem to be working. There we go. Little connection issue there. I have made you a refiner and a tester of my people to know and test how they behave. So (laughs) it was kind of rewarding to me because I just read that, oh, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll even refine my thought life. He's a refiner. So when I look at his life, what I want to think about is what does a life of refining faith look like? And so that's the lens that I look through Jeremiah. And uh, what I want to highlight is it was beautiful in our children's ministry minute and in our scripture reading today, these first verses right at the beginning of Jeremiah, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. I set you apart so, what Jeremiah did, it wasn't just him thinking, okay, this is what I need to do for the Lord. He had the assurance that, no, the things that I'm putting on your heart to do, I set you apart for this. And, and very specifically, for her specific role to be a, a prophet to the nations, these are specific words to Jeremiah. They're not to you and I, they're to him. But the Lord does give us other words that are more general for all of us. Ephesians 2.10, for I know the good works that I have planned for you. Or he goes, I've created you in in my handiwork in Christ Jesus to do good works that I prepared in advance. So we are God's workmanship. He all has good deeds for us to do. We need to explore those. We need to, as we're walking in our daily living, listen to the Lord and say, what are the good works that you have for me to do today? And to step into them. So let's go into a few ways of uh, descriptions of a refined life by God. First of all, it's focused on the joy of the Lord. Jeremiah 10, 6 says this, There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. It continues on, it says, Who would not fear you, O King of the nations, for this is your due, for among the wise, of, wise ones of the nations and all of their kingdoms, there is none like you. God, there's only one. Jeremiah had a heart for God. He knew that as everything around him was crashing, as the world was being destroyed, I know that we feel sometimes there's so many hard things in this world, and there are, but just understand when Jeremiah was living, It was just harsh, everything was falling apart. All of God's chosen people weren't listening, they weren't obeying. He was just seeing destruction after destruction. He had to keep his eyes on God, just like we do, so that we are refined and we can move forward well. So he knew that the Lord was great. And he also had this prayer, he said, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. I love that phrasing it doesn't just cut so i praise you he goes for you are my praise you're everything you're the you're the being that i value most you're the one i get great joy in talking about for all of us that's what god wants is that we find our joy in him so much so that we can say yeah god is my praise He's who I want to talk about. If you sit down with me for coffee at any moment, eventually Christ will come up because he's just in my heart. I recognize him. I see his goodness. I see his faithfulness. That's what God wants for his children, that we have such joy in him that we can't help but talk about him and share him with others. And I love this verse from Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them, And your word was my joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. We have the precious gift of the word of God. God wants us to open up this book and to say, Holy Spirit, help me know my Father. Help me know Jesus. Help me know the life I have in the Holy Spirit. Without you, this is just words on a page. But when I read this and I submit to you, this is your life giving word. And as I get this in my heart, I can start interpreting your voice throughout the day. That's the next part of a, a life of refining faith. It's receptive to the voice of God at all times. Um, Jeremiah is told I've, by God, I've set you apart. And then he says, You know what? I, I'm, a, I'm just a youth, I can't speak. And the Lord says, don't say that I'm only a youth. For whom I send you, you shall go. And then he says, what I command you, you shall speak. The power and the authority does not come from you and your good thoughts. It comes from me. What you say, what you do is supposed to reflect what I've told you. Live as I want you to live. And so Jeremiah, he was a youth. He was still most likely dependent on his parents. He was probably a little bit apprehensive about this. I think he was also humble in that statement. But from that day forward, and I'm sure earlier on, he was saying, yeah, Lord, I'm gonna listen, and listening isn't only enough. I'm going to also speak. What you share, I'm gonna speak. There are a lot of different stories in Jeremiah, little episodes, little pictures we get, Uh, But one of them that just really for me shows that God speaks in creative ways is when God tells Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house Jeremiah 18 verses 1 to 4 you can read this on your own later It's a beautiful passage in Jeremiah and he goes he, he says to Jeremiah go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message and so I don't know how Jeremiah heard that in his day But he heard it enough and believed enough that that was God that he had to obey. He had to obey in order to get the next word of God. And God spoke to him in a beautiful object lesson of a potter working with clay and it was ruined. He had to start from scratch and make it anew again. Point is this, is that there's this interaction between us and God. We need to listen and then we need to obey before he speaks again. <laughs> he, he usually shares with us as we do what he tells us to do, as we follow him. And so when you feel, and you've heard the voice of God through his word, through his spirit, through someone else directing you that are just godly words, be sure to obey and walk steady with him. So if we're doing that, if we're hearing God, then we will also be growing in wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to live rightly in this world. And uh, one thing that I'd say that I learned from Jeremiah is always listen before you speak. So in Jeremiah 42, the, the people are coming to him and you have to remember that pretty much everybody's corrupt. They're voicing things about God but they're not following him. So it might look really good but the heart is far from God. The Bible says they're, they had uncircumcised hearts. And so the people come to Jeremiah, and what's happening is they're being told that the Babylonians are gonna come. They're trying to say, what should we do? Should we go to Egypt to be safe? And God has already told them, no, don't go to Egypt. If you stay here, if you submit to the Babylonians, I will bless you. But if you try to just protect yourself, you're you're gonna pay for that. So they come and they're just asking Jeremiah, Jeremiah, please, ask God, seek God for us, and whatever his answer is, we're gonna obey you. And you know what really got me is that Jeremiah didn't just say, well, I already know the answer. I've heard it from God already for a while. And he didn't just go into his room for an hour. It says, 10 days later, when the Lord spoke to him. (laughs) 10 days he waited. And the result was, the message was, yes, stay, submit to the Babylonians, and I'll take care of you in that. But when the people heard it, they said, you're a liar. God never said that to you. Um, When I say about always listen before you speak, I hope you understand there that I didn't mean, well of course we need to listen to people. (laughs) But the main thing is we need to listen to God. And we can't try to put him on our timetable. He's got his own timetable. I don't know about you, but 10 days would have been a long time to wait not knowing when the answer is coming but trusting it will come and discerning that I don't know it yet. I have past information that I could go off of but that's not fresh. Don't live off of stale manna. Manna was the bread that God gave during the time of the wilderness and manna came every day and the Bible says, God told the people, don't take the manna and collect it so you have food for a week. It's gonna get wormy and everything. Trust me that every day I will give you something fresh. We all need to receive fresh words from the Lord. It's truth that stands the test of time. It's not truth that's changing. Truth is solid, but God speaks fresh to us when we have a voice that is attentive to listen. The phrase that we see so often in jeremiah is thus saith the lord can you imagine that jeremiah as he's talking with people was so confident that he was hearing the voice of god that he said thus saith the lord do you think you could say that when you're talking about the topical things of the day and everybody has all these different opinions well if you say that you better be humbled That's a really huge statement to say, thus saith the Lord. 349 times it's used in the Old Testament. Jeremiah says it 157 of those times. That's how often he was listening to God and then relaying it to people and it was never received well. He was always persecuted for presenting truth in a loving way. Thus saith the Lord, So thinking about that phrase and just about wisdom, I just want to read you this passage, Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, not let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, executing loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. So if you're growing in wisdom, you're growing in your knowledge and experience of God. If that's happening, I would have to say the joy of the Lord is increasing in your life. You're getting more happy about being a child of God the older you get. The best testimonies in this world should be from those of us who have lived with God for a long time. I pray, I'm 50 now. I pray my joy in the Lord is greater in a year from now, in five years, in 20 years, whenever, until the Lord takes me, I pray my joy in him increases and that that's also a sign of wisdom increasing because wisdom brings joy to my heart. It's not burdensome. It actually is life-giving. When I was younger, it's like, oh, that wisdom is putting me, it's, it's keeping me from doing what I want to do. And now I understand, no, that wisdom, that's God's character. That's the way of life with him. That's what brings fulfillment and meaning and purpose. Let's be wise. And, and wisdom, this is wonderful. Exercising God is loving kind, kindness, judgment, and righteousness of course we need to focus on the loving kindness of god that is the message the world needs to hear god is loving he is merciful he's made you he knows you from the womb but heaven forbid that we say that and we don't talk about the judgment that's coming because of sin that we are all stuck in lost in blind to and that god says righteousness is going to prevail if you look at this world and you get distraught about what's happening understand that god says justice is coming righteousness will prevail so if you're not wanting to experience that life now you're not getting ready for eternity because the reality is god's way of life will last forever this world will come to an end repent now and receive the salvation of god That's the message of Jeremiah over and over again. Repent now. You can't do anything of your own to make it right. Just repent and receive and then live in the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah didn't have that blessing yet, but we have that today. To live in the power and strength and the intimacy of the Holy Spirit together. Not on our own, not just me and God, us and God. That's the blessing of life in Christ. Let's move on to another point about living a life of refining faith. It's open to rebuke. I don't know about you, I know I need that quite often. I know quite regularly when I get into the Word of God or I have those quiet moments with God and and other noises put away, God lovingly rebukes me He lovingly prunes me and I've learned that that's the best thing that could happen to me at that time because I was going away astray a bit I was losing focus on him joy might be diminishing living in past wisdom rather than in a, a current conversation with the Lord so in Jeremiah 10 23 24 we read these words of Jeremiah I know Lord that our lives are not our own We are not able to plan our own course. Proverbs says this all the time. Man makes his plan, but God directs his steps. I know we are not able to plan our own course, so correct me, Lord, but please be gentle. Do not correct me in anger, for I would die. (laughs) That's been a similar prayer in my life from time to time. I hope it is to you as well. But sometimes we just even slow down and say, Lord, I'm not even sure. Maybe I feel a bit removed from you at the moment. I'm not sure what's happening between us. I know you're faithful. I know you're with me. I know I have the assurance of my salvation. But Lord, if there's something that I'm doing that's taking me down a course, and I'm doing it in your name even, but it's just taking me down a different path, I haven't been really surrendering that to you, would you correct me? Because I want to be on the path that you've put before me. And I want to be walking with you and part of the way that I know I'm walking with you is I'm walking in unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no lone rangers in our faith. So that was, a, a, for me, a beautiful time where, where he just surrendered to Christ. And, and in his, if you read through Jeremiah, you will see that his emotions go like this. Praise you, Lord, oh, lie to me, Lord? Praise you, Lord, take me out of this, Lord right? And it's just that up and down roller coaster. There's one time where he gets himself into a little bit of hot water with the Lord. Most of the time, the Lord meets him and kind of gives him peace and says, I'm your strength. I will deliver you. I am with you. Don't be afraid. But there's one time in Jeremiah 15 verse 18. It's a long poem. And then he says, why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Okay, so he brings us to God and and there's nothing wrong with saying that. Saying, Lord, this is the state of my heart right now. And I'm sure there's many of you who could relate to that statement. Now, Now he's saying that statement because the reason he's in that place is because he's been sharing Christ with people and they're not receiving. And he's getting hurt from that. And then he takes a step that's too far, and he says, "Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail?" He crosses the line in his complaint to the Lord. Earlier on, in uh, in Jeremiah, Jesus or the Lord talks about being a fountain of living water. Jeremiah two eleven to thirteen. It says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. This is the first evil. Okay, get this. God is saying, my people have done two things wrong. First one, they've forsaken me. Second one is, they've hewn out cisterns for themselves. They've made jars for themselves that are broken and can hold no water. We get so caught up on on details of check, check, check. Did I do this wrong? Did I do this right? God says, this is the big thing. You've forsaken me. You live your day, Doug, and you think about me when you read your Bible, when you have grace, when you have a conversation with someone, but the rest of the day, you're just on autopilot. you like, like, that's a, a danger in my day. But this is a bigger statement. God was saying to people, you've forsaken me. You don't want me. You don't, you're making other idols. And then you're trying to figure out a way of life yourself instead of finding life in me, and I am the living water. So when God gave that beautiful picture of who he is, I am living water, then these words are really quite harsh. Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? And the next verse, God just stops Jeremiah in his tracks and says, therefore, this is what the Lord says, if you repent, and he's talking to Jeremiah right now, he's not talking to Israel, he's saying, if you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy words, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. We need to be sure that when we approach God, we share our hearts, but in that we are respectful of who he is. And we remember that he is God and I am not. He doesn't live for me. <laughs> I live for him. So, Thankfully, Jeremiah took that rebuke well, and he kept going down the right, the right path. He kept giving his complaints to God, but he didn't complain about God himself. He complained about the situations that he was in and asked for help in it. So, another thing about a life of refining faith is that it's willing to endure difficulties. And Jeremiah was a man who had difficulties. I'm sure all of us will say we've had difficulties in our life, but I don't think they compare to what Jeremiah went through for the sake of him being a spokesperson of God. Again, remember, it's not just because there's sin in the world. It's not just that, like we get sick, we lose our job, someone's unfaithful to me. Those things are horrible, but that's not, that's sin in the world. His difficulties came because he was loving others and speaking truth. Jeremiah 8, verse 17, these are God's words to Jeremiah, part of his job description. For behold, I am sending you among serpents, addlers addlers that cannot be charmed, and they shall bite you, declares the Lord. Wow, I don't know if I'd want that job. Can I do something else, Lord? Can't I go and play with puppies? You know? No, I'm going to put you there. You know why? Because I love those people. I love those who hate me my enemies I've come to forgive them to help them see the error of their ways to bring salvation you're going to go to them and share the good news of who I am but you will also tell them if you don't repent punishment is coming judgment is coming righteousness will win understand that That there's a battle going on for people's souls here. There's not a battle, but will right or wrong win. That's not a battle. God's won. The war is over. There's battles, I guess. Sorry, there's battles about what happens in our... but But the whole picture of righteousness winning, God has won. There's nothing that can rival him. And he says, I want you to be on the right side of eternity. And that means I want you with me not forsaken me. Forsaken me really means hell. Life without God. God is a source of all good, all compassion, everything that's so if you have life without God the only way I could describe it is hell. Jeremiah was accused of lying. He was put in prison. He was put in stocks. He was thrown into a muddy cistern and left there, hoping that the mud would slowly overcome him and he would die slowly, fearfully. No one wanted to listen to him. He had really no friends. There might be two people in all of Jeremiah that would be considered friendly towards him. His whole life, he loved others, and they hated him. That's a difficult life. He's known as the weeping prophet. But that name... Is a little bit deceptive because he wasn't weeping for himself. He was weeping for the people who didn't know Christ. He complained about himself, but the weeping was because his heart was so broken for the people. Jeremiah 1:4:19 says, This my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly. I can't keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. In other words, he's saying sometimes it would be easier for me to be quiet. I could live a peaceful life. I could probably make some friends. (laughs) But whenever I try to be quiet, I remember what's coming and what kind of a person would I be to not warn people of the judgment that's coming and to tell them that there's a way to be saved. So he was always in that anguish for people. He was broken over the sins of others. That's another aspect of a life of refining faith. Increasingly becoming broken over the sins of others. These are beautiful and yet hard words. Jeremiah 9.1, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He just couldn't get over that everything that God had done in the past and the beautiful story of redemption that has been happening through the Jewish people all that appeared just to be falling apart the people who are the chosen people of God this beautiful city where the Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God now the Babylonians are told they're coming to be God's instrument of justice and he's going to they're going to bring terror and destruction on everyone because you've forsaken me and he weeps Because that's the case. And he weeps because even though people are being told that's the case and they're given a solution in God, they don't care. It reminds me of the words we read of Jesus as he's looking over Jerusalem and he weeps over that city. Luke says, when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. If only you had seen me as the prince of peace, I would have been your peace. And now you're not gonna see anything. The time for your choice is done. You're gonna be blind, peace will be hidden from you. In Matthew, in a similar situation, these are the words Jesus speaks. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Know that God, if you ever wonder about God and you read something in Scripture and it looks like God's a hater, understand that that can't be true at all. That's not in God. The only thing he hates is sin and what destroys. He has a righteous anger and that anger will be expressed by sin being utterly destroyed and anybody who says, I'm going to find my fulfillment in my own way of life, outside of God, all those people, all those aspects of our life, even in judgment, will burn away. Nothing of that will last into eternity. And God weeps for the wasted lives that He created in love to do the good works that He had planned in advance for them. So thankfully, there is a persistence in offering restoration. (laughs) That's another aspect of a refining life. You would get utterly destroyed, at least for me, if you're just Jeremiah from a human standpoint, looking at things and saying, oh, this has to get done unless you knew that God was always offering himself. Beautiful words here. Jeremiah 24, verse 7, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. Jeremiah is speaking to people who are going to be taken away into captivity for 70 years. They are all going to die, most of them apart from the grace of God, because they've chosen it. God still makes a promise saying this for your children. Someday, because of what I do, people will come back to me and worship me with their whole heart. I'd love for you at some point during this week to open up your Bibles to Jeremiah 32 and read the beautiful words in here that are the new covenant, the glimpse that give us the idea of Christ who is coming and what his coming would mean for us. And today, specifically, on the first Sunday of the month, we have the Lord's Supper. The first covenant is saying, this new covenant is saying, Jesus' blood can cover our sins, can make us whole. His flesh was given for us. He knows our pain. He's identified with us. He knows all about temptation, but he never gave in to it. And so today, in a few moments, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And this is for anyone who has said, Lord, I need you. I'm sick, I need a doctor. I'm blind, I need sight. I'm dead, I need you to be my life. This is for people who've said, Lord, I need salvation through Jesus Christ. And I need your Holy Spirit to be the source of life for me. So I'm going to ask in a few moments, the worship team will come up. If you're at home right now and you don't have the elements, please get them. If you're here, there's some in the back. But as we close our service today, I know we've talked about a lot of things, so I'm going to just give an overview of a few of these things about what's a life of refining faith. And I'd like you to pick one to think more deeply about during this time and to think and to surrender to God throughout the week. So we've talked about how a life of refining faith is focused on the joy on the Lord, of the Lord receptive to the voice of God. It's growing in wisdom. It's open to rebuke. It's willing to endure difficulties. It's broken over the sins of others, and it's persistent in offering restoration. Is there something in here, something from the life of Jeremiah that you say, Lord, that's an area that you're working in me right now, or that at least I I can recognize needs to be worked on? Because Lord, I I resist your rebuke. I don't know what it is for you, but in this moment as we listen to the, to the piano, as we have music, allow the Lord to direct your heart and let's just draw ourselves close to him. Today we come to this table and we recognize that we are not worthy of taking this on our own. It is the uttermost grace of God to reach out to those who were his enemies and for him to say, I created you, I love you, I want you to have life in me. Receive the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. Receive my spirit because Christ rose again and sent the comforter to be with you. With that in mind, we remember that Jesus had his final meal with his disciples and as they were eating, he took the bread, he blessed it, and after giving thanks, he said, take, eat, for this is my body given for you. Every time you take, Do this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together now. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, blood shed for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together as well.
1: Holy Father, may that be the anthem that we carry with us throughout this week to everyone we encounter and especially just in our hearts. Lord, that it may... Just give us confidence, Lord, that no matter what, you are faithful and that if we know you, we have the assurance of our salvation through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for all of these wonderful things in this message. May it be written on our hearts, your love. Amen.